Well, good morning, church. If you would open your Bible to Genesis chapter 40, where Matt read earlier. The songs this morning were just so powerful and appropriate for the message this morning. The title of the message this morning is really a question. And the question is, what can you do when you feel forgotten? What can you do when you feel forgotten? We've been on this journey with Joseph for a few weeks now. Pastor Sam began it in chapter 37, and, and last week we heard such a, a great message from uh, Brother Colin, a great job talking about the temptation that uh, Joseph went through. This morning, I want to kind of review some of those things. And the reason that I want to do that is I want us to get a kind of a bird's eye view of Joseph's life. Just to kind of remind us, most of us, if you've been in church for any length of time, you know the story of Joseph pretty well. But I want us to think about it from two different perspectives. I want us to think about Joseph's life, first of all, from the, the earthly perspective, and then I want us to think about it from a heavenly perspective. So we're going to start off with just some basic information. The information of the story of Joseph. We won't read all of these passages, but if you would just flip back a couple pages there to chapter 37, because I want to think about this family dynamic that existed in Joseph's life. Pretty good one, right? <laughs> Tongue in cheek. Joseph's life and his family is, is really kind of giving us a snapshot of the first few verses of chapter 37. It says, Jacob lived in the land of his father's journeyings in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any, of, any other of his sons, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a, co a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that his father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. So this just kind of gives us a picture of what family life was like for Joseph growing up. He's one of the youngest, the next to the youngest. Benjamin came after him. And his older brothers, who normally, I, I have an older brother. I always looked up to my old, older brother. Uh, my parents encouraged me not to always do everything my older brother did, but I thought my older brother was so cool. But Joseph's older brothers weren't very cool. <laughs> they, they couldn't speak one good word to Joseph. 
They actually had a name for him. They called him that dreamer. They, they didn't care for him because his father showed favoritism, which he shouldn't have been doing. And so this was just not a good family situation. I think we can all agree on that. But then into this story comes God's revelation to Joseph, which he gives to Joseph through dreams. In verse 5 of chapter 37, it said Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. And he, he, he shared the dream with them. And then he had another dream down in verse 9. He dreamed another dream. And he told it to his brothers. And they didn't like that one either. And the message of these dreams, really it's, it's, it's kind of like other dreams that Joseph deals with in the future. These two dreams had the same basic interpretation. And that was that Joseph would someday be exalted and his entire family would bow down to him. And obviously, that doesn't go over real well with older brothers about their younger brother. It also didn't go over real great with dad. But dad did keep that saying in his heart. And then we have the scene in chapter 37, beginning in verse 18. We won't read that whole passage, but where, where Joseph's brothers wanted to kill him and through some intercession of one of the brothers they decide not to kill him they're just going to sell him as a slave so they just find some traveling Ishmaelites and sell him off to them no concern about what's going to happen to him where he's going to go they just want to be rid of him they hated him that bad then these slave traders who now have custody of, of Joseph, they take him to Egypt, and they sell him into Potiphar's house. And so he becomes a slave for Potiphar. And he gets exalted in the household, but as we learned last week in chapter 37, he's pursued by Potiphar's wife. And he's trying to do the right thing. He's trying to serve the Lord. He loves the Lord he wants to be faithful to God, and yet this woman will not leave him alone. He does everything right to the best of his ability, and yet he still gets caught in a situation that he has no witnesses to support his side of the story, and Potiphar's wife lies about him, falsely accuses him, and this man Potiphar, who had so much trust in Joseph, becomes very angry with him and throws him into prison. And so Joseph's life <laughs> isn't looking real great. He's been hated by his family. He's been sold to the Ishmaelites, sold as a slave, falsely accused for something he didn't do. He loses everything he's worked hard for in the household of Potiphar. He loses the respect of Potiphar, and he's unjustly imprisoned. So then we're told in the beginning of the chapter that we read this morning, chapter 40, that he is in prison and while he's in prison, he's been exalted here as well. The keeper of the prison has trusted him with, uh, with basically being in charge of the other prisoners. And so these two men are, come along from the household of Pharaoh. They have been, they've gotten in trouble with their boss. 
They've been sent to prison. And they've each had a dream. And he's used by God to interpret these dreams. And you can imagine for Joseph, all these years have passed. He spent the time in Potiphar's house. And now he spends some time in prison. And along come this, comes this opportunity. And now this gift that God has given him that he recalls from so many years before, he gets an opportunity to use that gift. He gets an opportunity to be used by God in the life of these two men and interpret their dream for them. So that must have been a, a sweet moment. And he takes that opportunity in chapter 40, verse 15, to make a plea for help. And he says, when you, to the cupbearer, when you are back in the presence of Pharaoh, remember me, mention my name to him, because I've been unjustly treated and I've ended up here for no good reason. And so, it seems like there's some hope. But then we get to chapter 41. This is why I asked that uh, Matt read that first verse. Chapter 41, it says, after two whole years. Wondered why the Spirit inspired Moses to write it just that way, don't you? Two whole years. You get the idea. It's been a while. He'd already been sitting in prison before this, and now it's been two whole years since he had just a little glimmer of hope that the cupbearer might speak to Pharaoh on his behalf. And it's two whole years before something happens. And the reason I wanted to tell this story from this perspective is because all of us have a story, right? And we can look at our story in many different ways. We can look at our story just as just as I told the story of Joseph, all these things that happen, many of them bad things, some of them good things, but then a lot of disappointments, a lot of hope that seems to be dashed, and uh, various things happen in our lives. We have ups and downs, ups and downs all the time. But Joseph had been in this situation now for 13 years. 13 years. From the time he was 17 years old, God gave him a promise through these dreams, and now it's been 13 years. I want you to ask yourself how you would feel if God had given you a promise to exalt you, to overcome something in your life, 13 years later, it still hadn't been fulfilled. 13 years later, You've had moments of hope, but then they've been dashed. Thirteen years later, now you've spent two years having been forgotten by the cupbearer. Many of us have experienced things in our lives that are difficult. And some of those difficult circumstances have lasted for a long time. And it's hard. It's hard. It was hard for Joseph. But now I want to back up and I want to tell the story again in a different way. 
I want you to consider the story from a heavenly perspective. Back in chapter 37, again, in verse 5, it says, Now Joseph had dreamed a dream. Joseph had dreamed a dream. And the dream, verse 7, he says, was they were, bind, they were binding sheaves in the field, and his sheaf arose and stood upright, he says, and behold, your sheaves, his brothers, gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. That was a dream from God. And then he had another dream in verse 9. He said, behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. And so both of these dreams came from God. It was God speaking to Joseph. Hebrews chapter 1 says this, Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So you may not have a dream like Joseph had, but God has spoken to you by his Son. Jesus is the final word. Jesus is God's voice to you. Jesus is God's message to you. God has spoken to us by His Son. And yet, even though God has spoken to us, we still go through difficulties. There's a whole segment of theology, I guess you might call it, that it says if you just believe the right things, if you just do the right things, you'll, you'll have all the money, you'll have all the health, the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel that everything will just be well with you if you just get it right with God. And if things aren't going right, you must just not have enough faith. And that's a heresy. That is absolutely contradictory to the Word of God. You will go through difficulties. Jesus said, in this world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Paul said that we're more than overcomers. But if you're like me, sometimes you don't feel like you're overcoming very much. You feel like you might be a little bit more like overwhelmed instead of overcome. <laughs> Joseph felt that way. I'll show you why in just a minute. But he had received a promise twice. God had given him dreams. 17 years old, God had spoken to him. And there's no record that he receives any more dreams after those dreams. God spoke, he meant what he said, and it was just as true 13 years later as it was the day he spoke it. And we need to learn from that. God has spoken to us by his son, and he means what he said. And whatever your feelings are telling you, God didn't change his mind. God's word is always true. Always true. You can count on it. So Joseph had these dreams in chapter 37. 
Also in chapter 37, we know he was sold into slavery, but guess what? They wanted to kill him. They didn't kill him. God sovereignly intervened, and his life was preserved. Sure, he was sold into slavery, but he lived. And then in chapter 39, the Bible tells us, if you look in verse 2, chapter 39, Joseph was brought down to Egypt, sold to Potiphar, but look at verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. And if you look down in verse 21, after he's been sent into prison, but the Lord was with Joseph. You see, his circumstances didn't change from the first way I told the story. But the perspective is what matters. The Lord was with Joseph. Now, I thought about a lot about the Scripture and how it's been brought to us, how it's been given to us. We know that Moses wrote the book of Genesis, but the events that Moses is recording in the book of Genesis happened way before Moses was born. So how did Moses get this information? Well, God could have just put it in his head, caused him to write it, divinely inspired it. But I suspect that although God did inspire Moses, that, that these stories were passed down. See, the first person that knew the Lord was with Joseph was Joseph. Probably the first person to tell this story about all the bad stuff that happened from the time he was 17 until he was 30 was Joseph. Joseph knew, in spite of all the difficulty, in spite of all the disappointments, in spite of all the hurt, in spite of all the rejection from those that he loved the most, that the Lord was with him. Joseph knew that. That's how we found out. Joseph told, the Lord was with Joseph. And then, as God prospered him as a slave, and God prospered him as a prisoner, then God sent men from Pharaoh to Joseph, and he gave these men dreams in chapter 40. So let's look at it again in chapter 40, verse 1. Sometime after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them, and he attended them. They continued for some time in custody. Now think about that. God sovereignly worked through the sin, whatever it was, of the cupbearer and the baker. Whatever they did to offend Pharaoh, he used that to send them to where Joseph was. And these men were pagans. They worshipped pagan gods. But God gave them each a dream. 
Because God had sovereignly chosen to prepare Joseph 11 years before by speaking to him in a dream. And Joseph learned something that God taught, taught him that he spoke to him through dreams and that God would give him the interpretation of that dream. Joseph learned that 11 years before. Probably hasn't used that gift in 11 years. And now God has brought these two men who live daily in the presence of Pharaoh to Joseph and given them dreams. And God sovereignly worked in the heart of the captain of the guard to cause him to take care of these two men. He appointed him to be with them, and he attended them. So Joseph is still being a servant to others, but God has brought all this together. And then, verse 5, one night they both dreamed, the cupbearer and the baker, the king of Egypt, who were confined in prison, each his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officers, who were with him in custody, in his master's house, why are your faces downcast today. So Joseph is still caring for these men. He sees that they're sad and he's concerned about their situation. And that brings us to interpretation. What's the interpretation? We've talked about the information. Let's talk about the interpretation. We talked about seeing it from an earthly perspective, seeing it from a heavenly perspective. But Let's interpret this. What does this mean to us? What is this telling us about Joseph and about the way he lived and served God? Well, Joseph understood that God gives the interpretation of dreams. That's what he says. When they tell the men, the men tell him about the dreams, verse 8, they said to him, we have dreams and no, there is no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Please tell them to me. So Joseph knew that the dreams would be interpreted by God. Joseph also had confidence that God would give him the interpretation of these dreams. Hasn't happened in 11 years that we know of, wasn't recorded in Scripture, but he still remembers what God taught him all those years ago. Now, that doesn't mean that Joseph's not discouraged. He is. If you look down in verse 14, after he interprets the cupbearer's dream positively, telling him he's going to be restored to the king, he says, only remember me when it is well with you, and please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh, and so get me out of this house. For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also I have done nothing that they should put me into the pit. Joseph's faith in God, that God would take care of him, and his trust in the promises of God that God had given to him so many years before, was not the same as putting on rose-colored glasses and just ignoring reality. 
Joseph knew he was in a bad, a bad place. Joseph was feeling it. He said, please remember me. I was stolen out of my, out of my homeland and, and, and brought here, and I've done nothing to deserve what's happening to me. He was feeling the pain. And yet, even though he was feeling the pain, he had confidence in God that God would help him through. Look at Genesis chapter 40 and verse 8 again. Do not interpretations belong to God. Please tell them to me. Even though Joseph is struggling, even though he is having this difficulty, he is trusting in what God has said to him. Remember what Hebrews 1 says? That God has spoken to us by his Son. He's spoken to us by His Son. So if we're to be like Joseph, we need to remember that what God has said is true. And we need to live in light of that. We need to never forget, no matter what our circumstances, no matter what our emotions are telling us, we have to remember what God has said. We have to know what God has said and we have to remember what God has said. And then chapter 41. Chapter 41, we read that first verse after two whole years. <laughs> he made that plea. He asked. He said, remember me. And he had confidence that the cupbearer was going to stand before Pharaoh. He knew God was going to fulfill his word. Not only his word that he had spoken to Joseph so many years ago, but he knew God was going to fulfill the word of the revelation of this dream that the cupbearer had. He knew it was going to happen. He had confidence that this man would once again stand before Pharaoh. He would have the opportunity to speak for Joseph on his behalf. He had absolute confidence of that. And yet two whole years went by. But after the two years, God gave Pharaoh a dream. In the sovereignty of God, God, God's timing is perfect. And he gave Pharaoh the dream. And you know the story. I won't tell the story about the dream. And, but I want you to notice something else in, verse, in chapter 41. It's verse 16. Pharaoh tells the dream. Joseph listens. He says, verse 16, Joseph answered Pharaoh, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Joseph never lost his confidence in God. Eleven years went by from those dreams back in Canaan before he had the opportunity to interpret dreams again. And then two more years went by from when he asked for that cupbearer to remember him and he had been forgotten but even though he'd had all those disappointments in his life he still trusted God he never gave up so that brings us to application application we talked about information we talked about the story and we've talked about interpretation what does the story mean so now it's time for application 
All right? Simple outline. You can remember that one. Application. What about your story? What about your story? What kinds of things have you gone through in your life that maybe cause you to feel like God doesn't answer your prayers? Maybe cause you to feel like He doesn't care? Maybe cause you to feel like He's not noticing you over here in the struggle that you're having? What kind of disappointments have you had where you thought something was going to happen? It seemed like God was leading you in a certain direction. Everything seemed to be working out, and then it stopped. It didn't happen. Or it went another direction. What about plans you may have made for your life, and you thought, all this is going to happen in the future, and I'm planning, and I'm preparing, and then something happens to take the rug out from under you. Guess what? We all go through those things. Paul said it this way, There is no temptation that has taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. No matter what happens in your life, it is not more. It is not more than you can bear with Christ. If you try to do it on your own, it will be. See, Joseph's story could have been told simply from the human perspective. And it would have made a great book. The Life and Times of Joseph and his family. And we would have all read about the terrible things that happened to Joseph, and we would have all wept with Joseph and felt sorry for Joseph and identified with Joseph because we have problems too. But God didn't record the story that way. God let us know that God was with Joseph. And guess what? If you belong to Jesus Christ, He is with you today. He is with you when you got the bad diagnosis. He is with you when someone you love disappointed you or maybe abandoned you. He is with you with someone you adored who passed away. He is with you when you lost the job. He is with you when you can't pay your bills. He is with you when someone cheated you. He is with you when everything happens in your life. He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He is with you. All the theology that we can know is great. But you know what it all comes down to? Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. And there is nothing that can come into your life that is not filtered through His hands. He has a plan. And so what He wants you and I to do is He wants us to trust Him. To trust Him when people hate us. To trust Him when people cheat us. To trust Him when people do whatever people do. 
to trust Him when things don't go right, to trust Him when the disappointments happen. And so you have a choice. Really, it's two choices. You can choose to believe what God says about you, or you can choose to believe what, fill in the blank, the world, your own flesh, Satan, your feelings, says about you. You have to make the choice. You may not be able to change your circumstances. Joseph couldn't get himself out of prison. Humanly speaking, he had no way of communicating with his brothers. He had no idea they, if they were still alive, except for faith that one day they would bow before him. You imagine what he must have felt like that day? I mean, when we get to that part of the story, and Joseph is, is leading Egypt, the only one ahead of him is Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's pretty much on vacation all the time because he's turned everything over to him. Everything over to Joseph because Joseph is so trustworthy. And here come these brothers. Lord, I remember. I remember what you said to me. Can you imagine the emotion that must have flooded his soul? He realized God's promise was being fulfilled right in front of his eyes. But folks, he trusted God without seeing it. By the way, you know the famine was seven years. Or excuse me, the, the, the seven years of plenty first. And then there was a famine. So if Joseph was 30 years old when he went into the service of Pharaoh, which the Bible says he was, and then seven years of plenty passed, so he's 37, and then enough time passed after the famine began for his family back in Canaan to be really hungry and desperate, we don't know how much time that could be. He might have been 40 years old by the time this thing happened. And he was 17 when he received the promise. A lot of time passed. He was a kid. Now he's a grown man. God's promises are true. So what are you going to do? We're going to have a closing song in a few minutes. And that song is... Hillsong's Who You Say I Am. This week I, I looked at the lyrics of that song and I made a list. Now there are a lot of things in the Bible that God says are true about you and I as Christians. More than we could put on a list on the screen today. But in that song there are eight of them by my count. Eight things right out of Scripture that God says about you if you're a child of God. I'm gonna, I want to list them for you. And as we sing this song in a few minutes, I want you to listen for these. And then this week, I want you to sit down and I want you to take a piece of paper and make two columns. And on one side, I want you to write what my emotions or my world or people around me or what the devil says about me. And then on the other side, I want you to write what God says about you. And you get to choose which one you're going to believe. Where are you going to live? Number one, 
you are free indeed. This song reminds us that we are free indeed. John 8, 36, Jesus said, if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. Number two, you are a child of God. John 1, 12. Number three, you have been ransomed. Revelation 5, 9. He's ransomed you with his own blood. Number four, Jesus died for you. Romans 5, 8. By the way, you're called ungodly there. But he died for you anyway. Number five, there is a place for you in the Father's house. John 14, 2. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, would I have told you? And then... You are chosen by God, 1 Peter 2.9. You're chosen. God picked you. Number seven, you are not forsaken. I will never leave you or forsake you, Hebrews 13.5. And then 1 Peter 2.21, he is for you. So as we sing this song, I want you to think. I want you to meditate. I want you to... Receive what God has said about you and believe it, church. Believe it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for the truths of your word. They are true whether we believe them or not. They're true whether we live in them or not. But Father, we ask you to give us the faith to believe it, to help us regardless of what happens in our lives, regardless of what we feel, regardless of what our circumstances are, that we would believe you above all things. That we would stand in the truth of what you say about us. In Jesus' name, amen.